0: You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Boliu. The mission of Brown Baylor, a creative strategy and marketing agency, is as purposeful as it is noble to make history by curating experiences that matter. There may be no better example of this mission at play than Hidden in Plain Sight, a virtual reality exploration of the Black experience throughout history in Richmond and Roanoke, Virginia. Produced by Brown Baylor, Feedback and Root VR, the project highlights important sites that don't have monuments, that exist around corners and often under your feet. The goal is to change how residents and visitors alike see, experience, and understand the two cities. As founder and CEO of Brown Baylor, Dantrese Brown has long developed and delivered narratives that make history for clients, improve local communities, and serve youth. He believes strongly that history, however ugly, must be acknowledged and that the stories of the past must be told to ensure a better future. Dantrese joins me to discuss Hidden in Plain Sight his advice to business leaders and marketers about taking on purposeful projects, creating an inclusive workplace culture, and more. Don Trees, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Ken. That was great. I appreciate you. And it's, it's wonderful being here. Terrific. So I stated, Don Trees at the top, I stated your mission of the agency. Just talk about what makes that unique in the industry and how it aligns well with your own personal purpose as a change agent.
1: So you know, it took us a, a a little while to go through the process of identifying what our purpose is, our uh, mission statement, brand statement, and vision statement. My partner and I we always wanted to make sure that our work was doing something positive. We we wanted our work to really start to help the communities that we that we serve. And so when we when we landed on you know, to make history because, you know, that's 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 what our our vision, part of our vision is to make sure that we're doing things and doing work that makes history. And it could be historical work just within your institution, just within your community, just within your state, or it could be something even as big as the country or the world. But we feel like, you know, we have this audacious confidence that we want to ensure that we are doing things that make history, When we get to the part about curating experiences that matter, that's when we feel truly committed to the organization and the partnership, the voices of the institution, whether it's from an agency standpoint, working with the client, or whether it's from a community standpoint, uh, doing some social justice uh, work within that community allowing those voices to be heard. So basically, if you can just imagine being a curator for an art show and you're putting together these pieces that come from different backgrounds, different things, different artists, but the theme is how you tell the connectivity, tell the story, listen to those voices and and narratives and how those actually help you produce something more meaningful, something that matters.
0: Well, making history in and of itself seems like a monumental challenge. <laughs> so I just have to ask, I mean, is it with the projects that you're involved in, are they are they big, big challenges that you're trying to solve?
1: Or maybe even solve is not the right word? I think it's more of address. I, I feel like it's extremely lofty, but it doesn't mean that our partners, big or small, from a client standpoint, don't have goals that make history within an organization, right? It could be as simple as just helping an institution rebrand or helping an institution rewrite their narratives or helping an institution be more focused on small community development, social initiatives that are important to them, or it could be, you know, an organization that's, you know, trying to get into a different market based on some of the research and where the company is growing to. But we we sit in a realm, again, a realm, again, of audacious confidence. So we like to tackle big things. A lot of times we don't know that these things are as big as they are until we actually get into it and start doing the work, hence the Arthur Ashe Boulevard initiative, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. And even so much so with Hidden in Plain Sight, it was just something that I felt, my team felt, my partners felt that we were compelled to do. We didn't know how big it would be, but we knew it would have some type of impact. And so making history is something that you know I, I hold very dear to my heart because as we start to do these projects and uncover these stories and, and do social justice initiatives for any historically underrepresented group, I want to make sure that we're leaving a legacy. We're making some type of history with them.
0: Why do you and your partners believe strongly that the path to a better future lies in the telling of stories of the past
1: because it's so funny because that history those those narratives are they can be ugly Right. And so folks are like, why do you want to continue to tell these stories of, you know, the black American experience or the indigenous community experience where, you know, or the LGBTQ plus experience, women's suffrage, you go down the list of all these negative things that have happened on their journey. One, I think it's important because the right narratives need to be told. You know, when you talk about the indigenous communities, you wanna hear from those individuals. You wanna hear from those elders and and understand the true narratives. You get a different lens when it's coming from the experience of those that have experienced it. So it's important for these narratives to be told truly by those cultures that live those experiences. Now, as painful as they are, or as empowering, inspiring motivating as these stories are as well what that does it 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 makes us acknowledge what happened in the past I feel my team feels that the only way we can move forward collectively is if we together acknowledge the past all the pain all the suffering from those communities that need to tell those narratives those voices need to be heard those stories need to be told by them, and however painful and, and hurtful they are, now we come to a situation to where we acknowledge that together. Yes, those things happen, and this is why things are where they are today, but collectively with that acknowledgement, how does it help propel us to a better society, a better community, a better world through those understandings and acknowledgments?
0: There's some history being made now, Don Trees, as you know, in the United States, and for all the wrong reasons, as states like Florida are limiting what students can learn about race and black history. I have to ask, how do you wrap your head around challenges like this and find those rays of hope that are so important?
1: Well, I mean, you know, it's it's really disappointing and it's really, you know, hurtful to see some of those things and hear some of those things, and you know how you know, from a political standpoint. Uh, Things can be guided specifically through that leadership. But, you know, the inspiring thing is I don't have to ask for permission. We didn't ask for permission to do Hidden in Plain Sight, right? And so uh, we hope that this project inspires others to continue to do the same. Like if you see some things that are you know, folks are taking away this type of education or allowing these types of things to happen that is not right for everyone, those types of deal, those types of things. We're in a world now to where we have the autonomy to do things and make statements. Those things that are not controlled by, you know, politics, but at least are, what, but, but gives you the ability to create opportunities within a, a community, and galvanize that community and and create a movement of some sort to to go against some of those things. You know, our our thing with hidden in plain sight, there's a lot of avenues that we can see hidden in plain sight from a technology standpoint. Of course, we can see that, right? Uh, From a, a community development telling the narratives of historically underrepresented groups, there's a lane for that as well. There's also a lane for Corporate organizations in regards to uh DEI initiatives and how you're training your senior leadership. And then there's this bucket of education. You know, we would love to get, you know, things like hidden in plain sight into our school curriculums so that there is an understanding of the true narratives uh, of what happened. And ironically, I was sitting with my son the other day and he was talking about the transatlantic slave trade, and they were calling it the triangle. I think it was called the triangle trade. And I was telling my son, I said, no, it's called the transatlantic slave trade. He says, no, it's, it's the triangle trade because it does, it's all about, you know, spices and goods and, and those types of things. And I go, no, 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 no. I said that that's, that's, that's partly true. But then there is a, the, the main thing is the selling and, and transfer of a group of people and that move the economy to this economic trade standpoint. So, you know, when you look at some of those things, the education of getting some of these true narratives in front of our our students is extremely important. And so we haven't gotten any pushback from what we've done. Every time we've been in front of our public school system, our private school systems around hidden in plain sight, our educators love it because it gives them two things. One, true education in regards to these narratives, but also from a technology standpoint, it gives them the ability to engage with the students where they are. How am I from a Zoom standpoint uh, going to engage my students around content? Well, if I can create a technical component, a technology component to where it reaches them where they are, and they can also experience it from a different way, that adds more engagement to my student population.
0: It sounds to me, Don Trees, that this is all a mindset that, despite the ugly history in the United States, you see opportunity for humankind. Is
1: that correct? Totally, without question. We have to, you know, there there is a a an African an African symbol called the Sankofa bird, right? And it says that you 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 have to go back to get something to move forward, right? And so I feel like in order for us to move forward as a society, we can't forget any of those things. All the community projects that I've been involved in that have failed, wherever I have been, that have failed is because there hasn't been an understanding of what was. And the community felt like you don't understand why we feel this way or why we feel that way because you are not trying to understand and acknowledge what puts us in today's scenario and situation. So there is a tremendous amount of hope, but we have to look at it from the, the perspective of that, what that hope looks like once we understand what happened in the past and how we collectively move forward through that.
0: Let's talk a bit about hidden in plain sight. Just a a fabulous initiative. How did this come about and what are ultimately you hoping to achieve?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So it came about after the murder of George Floyd. And I personally wanted to add to the social justice narrative, but from a different perspective. There were so many folks doing so many amazing things in the community I wanted to do it from a different lens, and I had just come off of a leadership program here in the city of Richmond called Leadership Metro Richmond, and basically it's a, I think it's six to nine months program, in which they give you all the ins and out of the, the city of Richmond, the history of the 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 region, and all those things, and and you you have a an opportunity to decide. They they ask you to pick, you know, three of the things, three of the things that you are focused on changing one of my three was social social justice. And so I was within this group and we started to do our research around the city of Richmond and criminal justice reform sorry, that's what I meant. criminal justice reform was our, was our group. And so as we started to do the research and everything around that, it started calling out these areas within our city and and I'm like, well let's 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 go look at these these areas. Of of what happened, and one of those was Lumpkin's Jail, which is the which was considered the devil's half acre, which was a a jail for slaves as they came off the sh- the slave ships here in Richmond. They were they traversed to this place, which was uh, a, not a very good place, mm-hmm. and where they piled you in this jail, which was fifteen feet underground, before they moved you to the market to either be sold or hanged, based on the outcome. And so I'm like, okay, Lumpkin's jail keeps coming up, the history, the history, let me go and find it. I could not find it, Ken. (laughs) And, And when I actually got out of my car and literally walked around, I realized it was a stone's throw from my office, but there were no signs, there was no nothing. And then once I found it, not only did I find Lumpkin's jail, I also found the burial ground for Negroes. I also found the auction block hanging sites and I auction I also found the 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 City Gallows. Wow. Um and so it it was it was it's tucked under uh, I um I-95, I-64 and a rail pass that goes across it and a main street that runs through our city that tons and tons of people walk by and drive by every day not knowing the historical context of how important this place was. And so I was like whoa no one knows. About, I mean, who knows about this? And it's literally just hidden in plain sight. Like it's it, it, it made itself. And so after we decided that this was the direction that we were going to go, we also wanted to make sure that we connected with the culture, the community of leaders to tell those narratives. We're not gonna read from the history books that have been in our existence for hundreds of years. We want these narratives to come from community leaders or elders within this community. Uh, we wanna make sure we do our diligence by partnering with uh, historical museums, that type of deal to make sure those stories were rich enough and true enough. Now, we, di- we had no idea what the hell we were doing, Ken. I'm telling you, we had <laughs> this vision And I mean, and I'm an audacious, I, 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 hey, this is what, where we want to go with this. I don't know how we're going to do this, but we have something. So what we decided to do is ourselves, when we identified and narrowed it down through some help of a lot of individuals to the first 12 sites within Hidden in Plain Sight Richmond, we got all the archival photos associated with those sites. And then we went on a scouting trip. We literally walked to each one of these, drove to each one of these sites. And then we realized at one point, like, wait a minute. If we hold this this image of this archival shot, we can actually recreate this shot through 360 degree technology. And then what we could do is we can orient people where they are today through 360 degree or on your laptop of whatever. And then all of a sudden, when you're looking at the specific building at the same angle, exactly what you're looking at, you will see an archival image come in that plays a, an important role and talks about that history. And so then we were like, holy smokes. <laughs> all right. So then we were working with our CTO, David Waltenbaum, and we were like all right can this be done how can it be done you know what level and, and 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 you know how how can we how can we really you know blow this thing out and so he was an individual that really never told us no about anything he was just like i don't know the answer but we'll figure it out on the meantime dean who was our writer and our our, our researcher was gathering all the information that we needed And then we kind of plugged along. And I I love to tell people like we were knitting a sweater while hanging on a 747 jet. That's basically (laughs) what it felt like. It's because we were just running and figuring things out. But as we got to the point to where we knew we had something, we were like, holy smokes. So the underlying of that is we always wanted this to be a free platform because we felt that it was important for everyone to have access to it. So we decided to build it out first from a web-based standpoint. So that anyone in the world that had access to the internet could access the history of whatever city we do. Mm -hmm. Then we said, let's move the needle a little bit and create an experience that was truly virtual from a VR standpoint. Because remember, this was all in the midst of COVID. Like no one was going out anywhere. And so we officially launched it in October of 2020 and it just got this groundswell of people like, holy smokes, this is amazing. And then we were just like, okay, so we have something here. How are we going to continue to push it so that we talk about every historically underrepresented group?
0: Hello, Beyond Profit listener. Is it possible to transform purpose into profit? You bet. And it starts by downloading the complementary BPP framework offered through the Center for Brand Purpose in partnership with Grounded World. Comprising belief, purpose, and pursuits, the framework provides all key stakeholders within your organization with a blueprint to drive innovation, culture, and communication. And if used correctly, it will unite the why of your purpose with the way of profit to drive growth and social impact. To learn more, visit ANA.net slash Purpose framework, and now back to the show. I am speaking today with Dontreese Brown, founder and CEO of Brown Baylor. It's great, Dontreese, that there was this groundswell of enthusiasm around the project. Uh, around the project, but I do have to ask: Was it met with any resistance
1: from anyone out there, or have you been pleasantly surprised by the reaction to date? I've been pleasantly surprised me and the team, not this hidden in plain sight team, the the team that led the Arthur S Boulevard initiative had much more pushback than this. And here's my take on that, Ken. I think because it allows people to experience this at their own pace, in their own space, on their own time, and, and and be able to allow them to digest it first and then be able to come out and say, wow, that was that was really bad. Or that's an amazing story that I had no idea about. Like, holy smokes. So I think there is a little bit of both of those that play because, you know, we thought like, you know, how awesome is it for someone who was uncomfortable in a, a slavery conversation or in a White versus black conversation in today's world, when we're talking about equality across the board, that type of deal, you know, if someone that's uncomfortable with that conversation can experience hidden in plain sight in their own home. And then they could take some time to say, okay, all right, I have an understanding of this. I have acknowledged that. Now they can go out and have better conversations. And so we've been pleasantly surprised. There was only one individual when we were in. Uh, Santa Fe, we were doing the Hidden in Plain Sight Santa Fe. Uh, We were asked to come to a conference and present. So we literally got, the conference was like on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We got there on a Thursday and began production of one site in Santa Fe for the indigenous community. Anyone for the conference that came in early could go with us, so we could show them. Here's how we do this thing. And then when we spoke to them, we when we did our presentation on that Monday, we presented Hidden in Plain Sight Santa Fe. And afterwards, during one of the receptions, there was one individual that came up, and he was he was basically sit, talking about the same conversation that you had led into me uh, regards in regards to you know politics, saying that you want we don't want to teach this and we don't want to teach that that type of deal. Right. And then he leaned into. All the negativity that we are resurfacing, but that was the only only conversation. And of course, we we had a, we had a great conversation about it. And and I told him like you know our our point in in any other hidden plain plain sites we do it's an ebb and flow. It's like oh my gosh, this is really really tough to deal with, but I need to acknowledge it. To oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, the birthplace of black capitalism was right here in the city of Richmond. And all these folks came here to do these types of things. Oh, my gosh. You know, some of those things. So we really haven't had any really pushback. It's actually been surprisingly pretty positive.
0: That's great to hear. You did mention earlier, Don Treese, Arthur Ashe Boulevard. I did want to give you a minute just to talk a bit about that, because I know that's another project near and dear to your heart.
1: Yeah, so and this was and this is where you get to a get to a point. So um the Arthur Ash Boulevard happened before Hidden in Plain Sight. So mm-hmm. it was June, it was summer of 2019. Uh and this is where we really started to shape Brown Baylor. And this was the project that really got us off the ground that led us to a, a, a a couple of other, a few other uh, community development projects. But, you know, David Harris, who was Arthur Ashe's nephew came to my partner and he's like, you know, Hey, I need some t-shirts design. This is how simple it was kid. I need t-shirts design. And my business partner said, you know, cause they grew up as best friends. And he was like, what, what do you mean t-shirts? Well, you know, I want to, I want to try again. I think it was like the third time that changing the boulevard to Arthur Ashe has been tried. It had been shot down the previous times. He says, I want to try again to get a movement to rename the boulevard Arthur Ashe Boulevard. And I'm speaking to a couple of folks and I need some t-shirts. And my my now business partner says, no, 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 This is bigger than t-shirts and you need to talk to my buddy, Don Trees. And so that's how that conversation. And once I got a hold, once we got a hold of that, yeah. I'm like, holy smokes, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so basically there's a main strip within our city that has been always known as Boulevard. And that was the name of it. It was just Boulevard. It wasn't second street. It wasn't whatever. It was just Boulevard. And it's a main thread through our city. And so they had tried a few, uh, I think two or three times to rename it Arthur Ashe Boulevard and it got shot down. So I got pulled in, I pulled in a couple of other folks, You know, it was on the basis of Brown Baylor starting to come to life then. And we led that initiative to not only get the city council vote, which was unanimous with one abstain. And it was just because she just the the one who had uh, the abstain, just she she was like, I just don't think anything should be named after anybody because it's just too much stuff going on. But it was 100 percent. The community uh, was amazing. Uh, We had some some open community forums where there was a line of folks that said no, there was a line of folks that said yes. Uh, Eventually, we we got the the city council vote. Uh, Within six months, from start to finish, it was six months, and we did everything within that. The coolest thing was, afterwards, you know folks would say how did you how did you do this what's in, how did you do this so fast <laughs> and i i selfishly say well it's because i'm involved now right <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> but uh, but 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 i i i truly say the city was so ready uh, we were in a time where our governor had some negative things going on Uh, a couple of members of uh, other members of our our attorney general had some negative things coming out in the media. I mean, all the eyes were on Richmond about, you know, this blackface comment or this picture from our political leader with this blackface. And then there were some other allegations with their turn. It was just negative, negative, negative. And so our city was so ready for change. And the way that we went about involving the community up front, which was so important because I knew from what I've heard that the city of Richmond just doesn't, they don't ask us anything. They just come and tell us what what they're going to do. They don't consider like coming to us as a community or individuals and saying, hey, we're thinking about doing these types of developments, wherever it is, whatever it is. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? A lot of times it was like the city would just come to you and say, hey, we're going to do this. And so what we did, we didn't We didn't work that way. We involved the community leaders. We involved, we listened to those that said, you know what, I don't want it to be named. I, I think it should be this because of this and this and this. Uh, and we looked at other, listened to other folks uh, that were on the opposite side. And so that swell really, really was what was important and it was huge for us because uh, I'm sitting right here in my my dining room right now and this is where we would meet every Wednesday night for six months and we would meet at seven o'clock and can we wouldn't get out of here till normally probably like one or two o'clock and we we've got stuff all on the walls we've got ideas and thoughts and concepts. If this works, then we're gonna do this. And then we're gonna reach out to this group and this group and this group. It was masterful the way that the team came together to handle it, but it prepared us for something huge. And I remember sitting in here, I told the team, this is where the let's make history came part of our conversation. I said, we're gonna make history with this project. Like our names will be forever attached to this project. And so I called one of my buddies who's an amazing photographer. And I said, I need you at my house every Wednesday at seven o'clock and stay as long as you want. But I need you to start capturing this stuff. Because this is going to be huge. And every meeting we go to with city council, I want you to be there to take pictures. Every move that we make, I want you to be there. So we set the tone that this is going to be huge. And then when you start to when you set that vision of, man, this is not just about me. This is about those that came before me, those that are here with me now, and those that I inspire when I leave this place. When you do that, the whole purpose of everybody's intention just heightens and they are committed to it. Uh, We couldn't pay anybody anything. I mean, we did this, Ken, just by, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, not to, you know, take anything from, you know, our, our ancestors, but we just did this because it was something to do. Uh, so it's a huge project. And you know, now when you're driving down, you know, 95 or 64 or any one of the off-ramps, and you see Arthur Ashe Boulevard, it's huge, man. And it, it's a it's a great thing. After it got voted in, the mayor came to us and said, Okay, now you've done this. So how are you going to do the unveiling? And again, we freaking had no clue. <laughs> and then he, then he throws in this caveat, and we have no money to give you. <laughs> so we had to go out from a community development and a fundraising standpoint around all of that, but we put together a very intentional three-day celebration that started off with a social justice panel that ended with the unveiling and the keynote speaker was the, the, the late, great John Lewis. I mean every eye in our every eye in the world was was on our city at that point and it's awesome to be a part of things of like that. No not everything we do is at that magnitude, but our mentality is everything we do is at that magnitude. <laughs> right,
0: right. Well, congratulations. What an effort. So Don Therese, what is your message now to business leaders about taking on purposeful projects like the ones that you've just talked about? Or projects just to create some sort of a sea change, a social change within
1: communities. Yeah. And I think be extremely intentional about it. Um, And I, you know, don't just talk about it, be about it. Like your your every action has to be supported by those intentions. You know, a lot of times you'll see, you know, organizations hire a CDO, a chief diversity officer and think that they're just checking a box and and letting it go, but not providing the right financial support and the right resources for that role to be effective right make sure that it is in within your 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 overall marketing strategy organizational strategy whatever it is these initiatives has to be lined to that and then that breaks down to your departments whatever those departments are and whatever their overall goals are and strategic initiatives are it needs to thread by, back up to that Starts at the top. Here's what we're going to focus on. These are some of our initiatives inclusive of doing these things. And every organization under that needs to do that. Nothing's worse than saying you're going to do something and you do one thing and then everything else just stays status quo. Just be you know, intentional and, 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 and be open to the conversations of listening to your entire community of teams uh, within your organization and outside of your organization. Those are powerful conversations.
0: Yeah, you've talked a lot, Dontrice, about just um, inviting the community in, inviting customers in to talk about your projects, and that's so important for marketers. You just yep. talk a little bit about that, about you know engaging your customers and consumers on you know on their level.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that is, is is truly important too. Just as you you look at the way marketing is now, many folks are are committed to organizations, institutions, because they have some connection with it, right? You know, no matter what it is, if you are, you know, I'm an Apple guy because of their innovation, you know, the things that, you know, their creativity, uh, always pushing the boundaries, because that's kind of how I sit. So make sure that, you know, when you're realizing what you're doing from a marketing standpoint, folks now are going to say, I'm going to roll with you because you're doing these things because these things are important to me. So understanding who your customers are is extremely important, like finding out what they're supporting, what they're doing, what their beliefs are, because those are the ways that you're going to connect with them. It's no longer just about that image of a brand. It's about the actions of what the brand is is truly doing that relates to and connects with individuals. The emotional and personal connection to your customer is so, so powerful. And understanding that dynamic is going to be the the critical point into your success.
0: I would assume, Don you also believe in the thought that you also must engage your employees on any kind of initiatives like this, any kind of community, social impact issue. Can you talk about the importance of really having those differing perspectives and uh, experiences?
1: One of the things that I think is extremely important is having an, a diverse community of individuals within your, within your team, but specifically your leadership team, mm-hmm. because having those different perspectives also gives you, it, it engages different conversations. It also opens the door to different ideas. When you have different thoughts and different perspectives coming in, you're able to work collaboratively to get to a, a good spot one of the best experiences i ever had was when i got my mfa from savannah college of art and design i grew so much as an individual artist there because it was a it was an international school i i was meeting people from all over the world and the way that they would solve problems whether it's color theory or type treatment or image collaboration with the type or the way they went around solving problems or presenting ideas was amazing. And just being in this room or this environment where I'm I'm digging into so many perspectives allowed me to become become not only a great creative designer, but also it allowed me to be a great creative thinker and a better strategist. And so having those conversations and dialogues with a diverse group of individuals only allows you to be better and it only allows you to provide better content to your clients.
0: Mm-hmm. What a great perspective. Lastly, Don you have said that committing to something greater than yourself huh. is key to leaving a lasting legacy. So are you content with your life's work or is there still much work to do?
1: No, no, Ken, there is so much more work to do. And what's exciting is the individuals that I've been able to partner with and looking to partner with to help continue that. There's nothing that you can do alone, but there's so much to do when when you align yourself with folks that are committed to the same things. And then you go out together because you know that the things that you are doing and trying to do, you may not see in your lifetime, right? I'm with an organization that is committed to producing affordable housing. I'm committed to equality in education. I'm committed to workforce development, food scarcity within our cities and redeveloping some of our communities. A lot of the initiatives that I'm working on now, I may never see the end result. But if I could be a catalyst to that, that's what's important. So when my team and I, when Dean and David and I went on the scouting trip, we stood on the burial ground for Negroes and I, I had them walk out there with me. It was the most important thing uh, within this project for them to understand that the only reason that I am here is because of the shoulders that we are standing on right now. So those individuals, their perseverance, their sacrifice, their determination and resiliency allowed me to be in a position to be where I was to create a project like Hidden in Plain Sight. And that's the mentality that I'm moving with is I may never see it. I may not be here for some of the main things that I'm pushing for. But as long as I'm a catalyst to something that continues to push that and move that, then that's what I'm excited about. There's so much more work to do, but we're in a position to where there's so much hope for change that it's exciting to be in the space that I am now.
0: What a great way to end this episode. Don Therese Brown, thank you so much for joining me on Beyond Profit. And I do wish you much continued success.
1: Thank you, Ken. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you so much, my friend.
0: To learn more about Brown Baylor, please visit brownbaylor.com. That's brownbaylor.com. And if you'd like to recommend a speaker or topic for this podcast, please email me at brandpurposeana.net. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the ANA
1: Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.